Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Paul is back. And today we are talking reasons why your weight might be slower to move. I know people are itching to have this conversation. Dr. Paul, welcome. Hello. Hi, Gina. (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Okay, so first of all, we normally have this conversation in week 10 of the program. This is week five. The reason we're having it earlier is, well, first of all, the reason why we had it in week 10 is because even if you're dealing with any of these issues that we're going to talk about today, following this kind of program is is sort of like step one in addressing those on the most basic level. But what I'm realizing in group over group over group, and this is our 18th group at this point, is people are getting more savvy. They're more into doing all of the things. So I think I'd rather have this conversation sooner rather than later to give people a heads up and what to look for. This is not a, you need to be super worried. You need to be super concerned. But at this point, would you agree that with what people are doing in the program, I know you're familiar with it, they should be seeing something happening, either all sorts of non-scale victories, feeling better, sleeping better, pooping better, their body changing, or at least having the scale move. Now, I'm still not concerned if people the scale isn't moving for some people because it can take longer. But at this point, they should be seeing or feeling something, yeah? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that you absolutely should be feeling some sort of improvement in your mood and energy levels. And, you know, this is where the weight starts to usually move for a lot of people. Sometimes a lot earlier, but um, I think that we're far enough in the program that this is where you should start seeing some sort of results. And then like we're having this conversation today, I'm sure the next thought is if they're not, if it's not moving, what's going on here? What can we do about it? Right. Okay. So we might as well just dive right in. (laughs) Let's talk inflammation i know this is so loaded we could probably do a whole segment on this alone um what is inflammation how do people know that they have it why is it messing with their ability for their body to focus on weight loss so let's break it down yeah so uh, inflammation is simply just a signal that some sort of tissue in the body is giving uh you and you can sometimes test this but sometimes you can't there's different types of inflammation gina and that's what i think is so complex about this like for example there's research showing that depression has been linked to inflammation so inflammation like i said is a signal and so these are signals that are being put out by various different reasons we'll talk about them in a second and they're causing your body's metabolism to not focus on the normal housekeeping type of things weight loss they're fo- it's focused on repairing that tissue, repairing that damage. So this could be uh, to do, let's say, with some sort of tissue damage associated with autoimmunity. So a lot of people uh, think about thyroid. We thought we're going to talk about thyroid from a hormonal perspective. There's a type of thyroid issue called Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune issue. And that's an inflammation that the body's immune system actually is mistakenly attacking your own tissues 
Okay. And okay. there's a whole bunch of reasons why that's happening. And that's obviously a conversation that should be had with your doctor, with your naturopathic doctor, if that's the particular reason. Uh, and then after that, there's other types of inflammation as it regards to, for example, diabetes and blood sugar issues can cause metabolic inflammation. Excess weight okay. itself can cause inflammation. And then something like right. allergies, Gina, like food sensitivities, I deal with this a lot with my patients. This is a type of inflammation that is kind of like a low grade inflammation that might be occurring after we're eating things that maybe not right for us, even though they might be healthy. For example, some people have uh, allergies to almonds, uh, which is generally yep. a health food, uh, has some good fats in it, however, may not be good for you. So these are all examples of inflammation and they all make your metabolism more sluggish and not focused on weight loss. Okay, so that was a lot. So how would I know, like, how would I feel if I had inflammation in my body or so my weight's not moving at this point, nothing seems to be hap happening, I'm not really noticing any kind of change. How, like, is that a reason on its own to think that I have inflammation or would I wake up feeling like I'm sore, you know, like what, what, what would be some physical symptoms of, of inflammation? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so sometimes you're going to be able to sense it and feel it in signs and symptoms. So it could be like you have recurrent joint pain that has not been fully addressed. It could be something like arthritis, uh, the degenerative type. That is not the type of inflammation I'm talking about. That's generally very localized. Um, that doesn't mean that the things that we eat don't have an influence on osteoarthritis because they can, but it, that's not going to cause the kind of decrease in metabolism I'm talking about here. Um, you could also feel sluggish. You could also have kind of a sensation of fatigue and brain fog. That could be another reason yeah. that you're, because it, again, can affect your cognition. It can affect your brain function. Uh, and so, right. and then finally, you could actually test, Gina. So over and above the kind of like pain, the obvious redness, signs of swelling, uh, you know, physical signs of inflammation, uh, you can actually test and look at blood work and that will tell us if there's inflammation occurring. So there's tests that I run with my patients that are very comprehensive to address, again, is there inflammation in the body? Now, just because you're not losing weight, I want to yeah. be very clear about this because I have lots of patients that come in that are on the program that say, you know what, you and Gina talked about inflammation uh, and it's the reason that I'm not losing weight. I said, well, it could be one of them. It may not be exactly for sure 100%. We have to assess it. And so it's one of the number of inflammation, sorry, number of reasons that we can't lose weight. Uh, we have to obviously check it out. Okay, so I also want to talk about, I know in, in the conversations we've had in the past, if people think inflammation, they think their body, but like you said, just mentioned like brain frog. Yep. Like that's a big part of the body communicating with itself. It's not just your your body, it's your brain. And then the whole messaging system that happens between them. Yeah. So can There's you elaborate this, a bit more on that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. There's this uh, amazing relationship between the brain and all the other systems in your body. So we know your brain is the obviously the master, uh, the master controller of body functions, but it also controls a lot of your hormones. It will control your digestive function through something called the gut brain microbiome axis. And now we've actually added this like microbiome piece because now the brain influences your bacteria in your gut and vice versa. 
So in fact, one of the obstacles we'll talk about in the future, and this is kind of like plays in this inflammation uh, role, is that the one of the body's most powerful anti-inflammatory tools and systems is your gut-brain connection. There's this thing called the vagus nerve that connects the brain and the gut and your all your organs in your abdomen. And it's responsible for making sure they function well, but it also is very powerfully anti-inflammatory. So if you are in a constant state of fight or flight, if you're always go, 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 and never have a chance to rest and digest, you can't regulate inflammation very well. And this is where it's like, we're talking about, you mentioned like four or five key obstacles to weight loss, but Gina, they're all connected actually, which is the crazy part is that it's not just one uh, individual uh, issue that's just isolated to, you know, hormones or inflammation. Ah. They actually are all related because when you're not optimized on, on a gut function level, you're going to have more inflammation. When your hormones are off, you're going to have more inflammation and vice versa. So these are really, really intricate webs of things that can influence your lack of weight loss. So we're going to, we're going to talk food sensitivities. We're going to talk gut issues. Yeah. We're going to talk hormone health, which all what you're saying is lead into inflammation at the end of the day. Yeah. Exactly. They're connected. So if any of those are imbalanced, they could actually be one of the reasons you have an ongoing inflammatory kind of response. Like gut is going to be a great, uh, it would be a great segue to talk about that. But in general, I think the key takeaway point here is that there's a number of different signs and symptoms of inflammation. It doesn't always have to be like, ow, my joint is hurting. It could yeah. be, uh, I wake up in the morning, I'm really stiff. Uh, I'm really sluggish in the morning all the time. I might have kind of like this, like haze that I'm in. Now there are other things that can cause that, but in general, that's one of the processes and you kind of have to figure out if that's happening, rule out the causes. And this is how you work with your doctors. You're not going to be able to do this yourself. You need to do some testing and then identify, is this inflammation present and then take steps to correct that. Okay. So something that you, you hit on there, ding, ding, ding was stress. And then stress right. just makes it all like, we're, are we all doomed or what? <laughs> no, not at all, actually. And, and I'm glad you kind of like brought up the worst case kind of doomsday scenario that people are thinking about, but not at all. In fact, um, you know, I think that this whole resurgence of, you know, cold water baths you're seeing on Instagram, this yeah. resurgence of meditation and mindfulness and deep breathing, all those types of practices are trying to capitalize on the fact we have this powerful anti-stress, anti-inflammatory system called the gut-brain microbiome axis. So when you're taking deep, slow breaths, what you're doing, Gina, is you're counterbalancing the opposite of that fight or flight feeling that we feel that we're stuck in all the time. So this is a beautiful system that our body has, but we've kind of forgotten how to leverage it. We've forgotten how to use it because life has just kind of gotten away and we are just stay in one state, the sympathetic fight, fight, or freeze mode where we always want to toggle between that, which helps us deal with stressors. But obviously people know that we can't stay there. We have to go into rest, digest, recover, detoxify. And that's all the parasympathetic state. But just reflect on yourself. Whoever's listening to this right now, during the day, how many times do I feel like I'm 
in a fight or flight mode. I feel like this anxiety, this overwhelm is welling up and I can't control it. Versus how many times do you feel like, okay, I've taken a moment to eat. I've taken a moment to be a bit more mindful. And this is what I love about the program, Gina, is that you talk about taking time to make sure that we're allowing our digestive system to do its job. So many times people struggle with digestive issues because they just actually, it's not about the food that they're eating or not eating. It's about the fact how they're eating. What state are they eating in? So I know I threw a lot at, at people right there, but look, I would encourage everybody just be self-reflective about what state am I in? And this is when I say state, these are literally nervous system states. You can't be in both states at the same time. Either you're in sympathetic mode or you're in parasympathetic mode. And we're talking about it now because it's a powerful anti-inflammatory tool that you have in your body that is 100% free. You can use it and leverage it at any time. Just have to do it. Yeah, that was my next thing is what can you do about it? So when you're talking about stress, I just want to go back because I just came back from a ski weekend, right? Like I, had, I was outside, I was active up in the mountains, fresh air. And I'm yep. just like, and then I wake up this morning, I get on my phone and I'm like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. I can just, I can feel it. But more so I was, I was, I was not well um, back in the spring, like nine months ago. Right. And I came out of the hospital and I just was like, so like just done that I actually was able to really see the stress of everything. Like, like just driving my kid to school, which is five minutes away was stressful. The, 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 the construction, the cars, like I just realized it like how like people think that my point is, is that people think they're not stressed. Like people are like, oh, I'm not yeah. stressed. It's not a stress. I'm fine. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's things that they don't think of, like just driving your kids to school and all the things that your brain has to like think about and work through and all of that. And so basically what you're saying is like stress makes all of this worse and can be a major factor in why people are having a hard time losing weight, but we actually have the ability to do something about it just right. by practicing some deep breathing, practicing some slowing down, practicing being in the moment. And this is, I think so important to weight loss is where I'm going with this because everyone thinks food and water and supplements and all of those when just taking some deep breaths. I know it's easier said than done. And it's not as easy yeah. as just like deep, do some deep breathing. You're going to lose weight. But that's something that you said for free that we can do. That's going to make a huge difference. Yeah. And you know, let's just, let's just bring it back full circle. You know, that's, a, that's an amazing point that you just made uh, because so many people get on the weight loss, uh, get on the weight loss kick. They're on, they're excited about the Gina Levy program and they're doing all the things. And then they get to this point this is why we're having this conversation now, because then they're like, why is my weight not losing, going away? Why, why, is, why am I not getting any progress here? And then yeah. this is where you and I are perfectly yeah. timed this conversation to be like, okay, so you're doing all the foods, check. You're doing the hydration, check. I'm doing the timing, check. And nothing's changing. So now we have to look at other things that could be contributing. And the first thing you should be looking at is what state am I in throughout the day? Now, I, I want to make sure everyone understands me correctly. I'm not saying we all have to live a stress-free life because that's impossible. That's utopia. That's not going to happen. But we have to also yeah. consider that if we have lots of stress, 
We also have to work extra hard on doing the anti-stress things, which is what we're talking about here. So that is maybe decluttering and decommitting to some of the things that you might be doing because you can get away with stress for a certain period of time, but eventually your body will say, no, that's enough. I can't keep up with the demand because you are withdrawing more than I have in my account and you are in overdraft and your, and your body will tell you, and that's manifested in, I can't lose weight. My adrenal system is not doing well. And this is the hormonal segue. Uh, my, I'm fatigued. A big one is I can't sleep really well. And we know all the research around, if you can't sleep, then you're not going to be able to lose weight as well. Your metabolism is going to get sluggish because the message that our body gets Gina is safe for a rainy day. Cause I'm under a lot of stress. I'm, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to fight off what's go- what I'm dealing with on a regular basis. So this is why it's so important for everybody listening to understand that we have to be cognizant of what nervous system state we're in. And if we're always in a stress state, we have to put ourselves in the parasympathetic state. And how do we do that? By doing all the things that you're talking about when it comes to mindfulness. And it it can be literally as simple as I'm just going to start a deep breathing practice, just like I would do exercise or just like I would do my morning snack, I'm going to do five minutes of belly breathing slowly in, slowly out. And it can be literally that simple. And that's yeah. turning on that parasympathetic nervous system. Well, we have this 20 questions uh, checklist that we have in the group, in the book, in the app that just basically goes to all the different kinds of things like going outside and, and going for a yeah. walk and journaling and all these things that can really help with this. But I'm just thinking, you know, it's that aha moment. I think when people start this program, they're like, okay, I'm starting today. But it's also what they're bringing with them and the state of their body when they start, which is, you know, the first few weeks of the program is all about just being super consistent with the changes and allowing the body to calm down from that. And that's a big part of that. So, so someone, let's talk about years and years and years of being in a, like this, a stressful state plus starving and depriving and just disconnecting and neglecting, like what kind of impact just to kind of put people's, but wrap their head around the fact that it just takes time because they're, they're coming yeah. in with years and years and years of baggage, right? I had this conversation yesterday with somebody that's a member of the, of the, of the plan where I said, you know, that they expressed frustration where they were like, you know what, all these friends that I'm doing it with, they started the program in the first six weeks, they've lost 20 pounds. Like they, you know, these amazing stories that yeah. people are hearing. And then yeah. this person was like, I lost four, you know, like I'm frustrated. I want to lose more. Uh, and, and this is a perfect, uh, what you just mentioned, there's a perfect example of everybody's a little bit different. They're on a different metabolic journey. What you come into the program with a lot of it is under the surface. It's not just the weight, but it's about what's your metabolism. Like what's your history of dieting? What's your, what's, what's been your hormonal history? Um, if you happen to be coming into uh, to the program, during the menopausal period in your life that adds another wrinkle into the possibility of weight loss uh, and the possible obstacle. And so again, some people, all these factors, they lose weight and it's hard for us to understand why that is. But in, in a lot of cases, there can be, these things can all be obstacles, Gina. So all your history of habits, emotional eating, 
stress has a toll on your metabolism. So you have to be gracious to yourself coming yeah. into the program and realizing maybe it's going to take me two or three sessions. Maybe it's going to take me two or three weeks longer. I don't know. Everyone's a little bit different mm -hmm. because like I can give you a lot of examples where people have had the same frustrating comments that you're just uh, sharing with me now. And then we tweak the hormones and we identify the food sensitivities and we quench the inflammation and all of a sudden 30 pounds come off. So yeah. I've seen it over and over again. Once you identify the obstacles, correct them, the, the, the body will find its optimal body composition on its own when you optimize metabolism. And what, what time frame are we talking about with this? You know, because you, like someone goes and sees you, you start, you, I'm just thinking all the, all the stuff we still have to talk about, you know, addressing these things, like give people a realistic time frame. Like you said, you might have to do two groups, three groups, four groups. Like that, this is the thing. And the reason why I'm so confident when we have these conversations about people losing weight is that I know anyone can lose the weight. There's zero science to suggest you can't. It's just like, how quickly are you going to be able to do that? And what are the things that you're going to need to do in order to accomplish it at the end of the day? And straight up for some people, it's just way easier than it is for others. Um, you know, obviously their history um, plays a big role in that, the state of their body, you know, physically, mentally, all of that. But what's a real Realistic time change, like time. When someone comes into you and they have some, their hormones are off or whatever. What's their, what's their? I know this is. I even as I say it, I know it's so individual. But you know, yeah, <laughs> you know can't even really answer. You know the answer there. Uh, you know, it, it is so dependent on each person. But I, I, I do want to answer it in an indirect way though, Gina, because it's a really important question, and I know it's on a lot of people's yeah. minds. Yeah. We have to look at. A number of factors for progress, because the biggest thing that people look at, obviously we're in a weight loss program is, is the scale moving, right? That's the biggest thing. And we get very focused on that, but there are some examples of people that don't lose the weight rapidly in the first session. And they're now looking at all these obstacles and we've identified some of them, but then I reflect on that person's journey and I say, okay, wow, your sleep is a lot better. Your periods are no longer painful. Your acne's cleared up. My energy's way better. And I'm like, when, once they realize that they're like, wow, the scale hasn't moved like the way I want it. But along this journey, I've had all these other really positive things. And those things should be yeah. very validating that you are on the right okay. path. So the metabolism will come. Don't be discouraged by that. That sometimes takes longer and there might be another obstacle you haven't fully addressed, but be really confident if all those things are moving in the right direction, which almost for everybody, Gina, in my experience, it does. Oh, I love that. I love that. And this is non-scale victories we're talking about. This is why if your weight isn't moving, but you're experiencing non-scale victories, you're on the right path. But really, if you're not experiencing either one of those, and this is the conversation, not to say a lot of people can benefit from this conversation. Yeah. There's, there's various levels of inflammation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there is. All right. Different so yeah. we talked about inflammation. We talked about inflammation in general, and now let's talk about things that lead into that. First one, food sensitivities. First of all, what are they? How do you know you have them? What be what be the signs? What do you do about them? Yeah, so food sensitivities are very specific type of inflammation. And in the same way as environmental allergies are causing, 
you know, the, the, the congestion, the watery eyes, food sensitivities can be causing symptoms that are going throughout your whole body. Wow. It's your immune system attacking a foreign protein. And it could be from a food that normally it shouldn't attack, but it does for you. And that's why it's called a sensitivity. And there's a number of different factors that lead to this. Um, one of them is that your gut microbiome, the bacteria that you have in your gut is not fully balanced. So your immune reactivity is exaggerated. The second one could be leaky gut. So you've heard of this term called leaky gut. In the research, it's called intestinal hyperpermeability. And it's actually been well-researched in a lot of conditions, like for example, fatty liver, which a lot of people that are overweight have. Fatty liver is a huge epidemic. Yes. Um, and so intestinal leaky gut has been associated with fatty liver. And that is another reason why these food proteins are getting in and the immune system is reacting to them, Gina. And then thirdly, there's another reason which we often don't talk about, but if you are under, here it comes again, chronic stress, your body's hormonal environment is actually going to make the lining of your gut less tolerant to food proteins as being exposed to. This is the same reason why if a person's under an extremely stressful event, think of like, you know, a life calamity, their digestive system actually in a lot of ways might shut down. But what about if it's not so severe? What if it's low grade all the time? Now your body's adrenal system, which helps you balance stress, we'll talk about that in a second, can also influence your gut lining and can make you more predisposed to food sensitivities. So the food sensitivities are reactions to proteins found in food that normally they should not be reacting to, but you are reacting to them as kind of an individualized response. And they can cause symptoms like headaches. It can cause gut issues, obviously. They can cause things like runny nose, eczema, things that we don't actually associate typically with foods that we eat, but it can go through anywhere in the body. Yeah. So it has a huge, uh, really broad effect, you know. So that um, let's talk about like eczema and, you know, skin rashes and stuff. This is this is, you know, there's more and more research talking about how this is directly tied into digestion, right? Yes. Like something is off. Yes. So again, it comes down to tolerance in your immune, uh, with your immune system and your gut. So just to zoom out again, maybe 70, 80% of your immune system is around your gut genome. So that means the body already knows this is a, a prime docking area for external pathogens and external issues. Now your immune system is sorting through what is friendly and what is something that they should actually destroy. The problem is, is that if we have a history of high stress, poor diet, certain medications, uh, like antibiotics, for example, now this sorting system for your immune system is impaired. You're going to have an impaired microbiome. And so now you're going to have an increase in these food sensitivities possibly. And again, that translates into all these symptoms like skin issues. So a sign, if you have acne, if you have eczema, if you have dermatitis, these are all signs that your gut probably isn't happy. And it should be kind of a little cue for you to be like, okay, now I need to go in and work with my naturopathic doctor. I need to work with my healthcare providers to find that solution 
to why my gut being the underlying issue for skin issues is dysfunctional. Well, because so many people are just slapping some cream on that cortisol cream, whatever it is, and not yeah. here they are, weight's not moving, having a hard time and not even association. And it all feeds into inflammation. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. This is my yes. point. It's all connected. That's the crazy part here is that the gut inflammation hormones, you can see so far we've connected all three of the, the obstacles we're talking about. Uh, so really it's about finding, yes. uh, uh, all these key systems, they're interrelated, but finding balance in and through all of them. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, so let's talk about um, food sensitivities on a basic level. Gluten, dairy. Is this is this what we're talking about? Yeah. So I want to make sure I understand, people understand. First of all, I'm not talking about something called celiac disease. That is an autoimmune reaction to gluten. I'm also not talking about something called lactose intolerance. That is an issue with not being able to break down the sugar in milk called lactose. A lot of people feel like they're like, oh, I don't feel good after eating okay. dairy, but they're like, okay, I'm just going to drink lactose-free milk. That's, that's not going to be the solution here because what we're talking about Food sensitivities are food protein reactions. So there's many amino acids in these foods like gluten. Gluten is a protein. Same with casein. Casein is a protein. This is found in milk. I'm just picking on dairy and gluten because they're the two most common food sensitivities that people would experience. Uh, but there could be any food that you eat could be a food sensitivity. Now, there's a decreased chance that eating cucumbers will be a food sensitivity, but, um, you know, it's possible. Uh, nuts and seeds are very high. We know peanuts are very high allergenic food. Uh, certain grains can be really, really high. Dairy products and eggs. And the only way you can really know is to actually do some sort of test. And that could be either an elimination range reduction that's the old school way of like cutting it all out and then seeing how you feel and then reintroducing it. Or you can do a test. You can do an allergy test. And this is a blood test, Gina. This is not done by going to get your arm pricked. You know, like the typical like allergist where they'll do the little needles in your arms. That won't tell you the type of sensitivity we're talking about. 
but it will tell you if you have kind of like the anaphylactic, very fast acting sensitivity. So that's the difference between kind of the typical environmental allergen and then the food sensitivities. Those are actually two different immune systems that we're trying to test. That's fast. That I think that's important for people to understand because they think, well, I'm I'm not allergic. I don't go into anaphylactic. I'm fine. So that's let's right. talk about elimination because people say this all the time. Oh, I took I took gluten out over the weekend. I didn't know. It's like, we, like well, how long are we like how long are we talking? How strict would someone need to be? And yeah. you know, we tell people to keep a diary um you know to, to 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 how they're feeling when they're eating certain foods but sometimes there can be like a delayed reaction uh when people are having these things as well so how how would they know is would there be some sort of like every time they eat something they have they get bloated i just i know that's i just threw about 10 questions at once at you there <laughs> no it's it's a really good question yeah you're on point today gina you have all the all the best questions i uh, i would say it's very important to understand this next thing I'm going to say, because it's going to really make your life easier trying to figure out food sensitivities. First of all, the body has a memory of anything you eat for at least three months. So that means that if you try to cut out gluten, let's say you suspect, I don't feel good after bread. You know, you first, the first place to start is to be like, okay, is there anything that I eat that I don't feel well after? For example, um, you know, if I go out on a Friday night and I have wings and beer and, and, and fries, you know, there are multiple things that you're going to uh, try to uh, identify there. So it's going to be really hard to figure out. Is it the alcohol? Is it, is it actually uh, gluten? Is it something else? So you're, you're, first of all, just observing is going to be a start, but it's not going to give you your full answer. So observe. How do you feel after pasta, after bread, after drinking milk? You know what? I always feel off after I eat bread. Okay, that's a good place to start. So if you suspect a certain food, a certain food group, then a lot of people go to the next step and they and then they say, like you said, oh, you know what? For the weekend, I, I cut out I cut out bread for this week. Um, I did my best. I, I still had like a tiny piece of cake. That doesn't count, really, does it? No, it does. And your immune system is automatically going to be re-stimulated. So to really know, Gina. You have to cut out that food as close to 100% as possible for at least a month, in my experience. And then you reintroduce it back in and see how your body reacts. And after you've been avoiding it for this long, your body's going to have a much more accurate reaction than if you just avoid it for a couple days and then try to eat it again. Because all the other foods that you're eating are mixed in with it and your body hasn't had a chance to clear all those kind of antigens out. Okay. So it takes a little bit longer, Gina, to really get the full effect of a food elimination. And then the last point I will say is, and this is where it gets a little confusing is what if you are sensitive to more than one thing and you cut out gluten, let's yeah. say, but you're actually yeah. sensitive to dairy too. So how do you, how do you, so, so yeah. you're still going to feel crummy if you're still eating dairy and then you're going to say, well, you know what? It's not gluten because I still right. feel terrible. So you kind of almost have to be like, I got to take out a lot of the usual suspects and, you know, dairy and gluten. And then I reintroduce them all one at a time. And this is where a naturopathic doctor can really help you identify where to start, how to continue 
When do I need to reset and go back? Maybe we need to start with a, a test to see what is your kind of baseline reaction. And then we can reintroduce things. So yeah, this is where professional help does make a, your life a little bit easier. It's so interesting because you think, I think that people are like, okay, I'm going to do an elimination diet. I'm going to take these things out. And then they think, I'm going to feel so much better, but it's not really taking them out to make you feel better. In order to figure out if you have a sensitivity to them, you need to take a big ass break from them. And then when you add them back in, see how reactive your body is. This is why when people um, test for gluten, they have to go off it. And then they're like, well, I'm a lot of people will, will message about doing the program. We look at the test for gluten. So I have to eat the bread. I have to eat all the, I have to eat all the stuff to see if I'm reacting to it. Okay. I find that interesting. Right. So I want to move it on. So we talked about inflammation in, in general. We talked about food sensitivities. How, how is gut, what do you call it? Dysbiosis? Yeah. Or how is that different from food sensitivities? Yeah. So food sensitivities are an immune reaction to a protein in food where gut dysbiosis is the actual gut bacteria that are lining, that's lining your colon is in balance. Normally we should have a balance of all these different species of bacteria. There is even some fungi and, and, and viruses thrown in there, but it's mainly bacteria. And these bacteria, they have a huge role to play. They're like an organ system. And I always make this quote. It's like, we have trillions of cells in our body, but there's 10 times more bacteria than cells total in our body. So we are more bacteria yeah. than we are even in our own organism than human. So it's very important of how yeah. balanced yeah. and how happy these gut bacteria are. And when they start becoming unhappy, then you might start getting all sorts of systemic symptoms, like not just gas and bloating, but people might be getting pain and headaches. This term, when there's an imbalance in this microbiome, this term is called dysbiosis. And that's just a fancy way of saying imbalance in my microbiome. Now, one of the most common dysbiosis that people might experience is something that people are familiar with called candida. So, you know, if you've had athlete's yeah. foot, if you've had yeast infections that are chronic, for example, this is one particular class that's in your gut normally in small amounts can have grown up much more because of a number of reasons, for example, taking antibiotics. And now those particular fungi or bacteria are causing symptoms. Another type is called SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Yeah. And what's going on in this particular condition is that bacteria has made its way from the colon, the lower intestines, all the way up into the small intestines where there's a lot less bacteria. And now it's wreaking havoc there. So people could be having all sorts of symptoms that could actually be way outside their gut. It could be aches and pains. It could be muscle issues. It could be headaches. It could be energy issues. So these are two examples of what I've termed dysbiosis. And that can play a huge role in chronic gut issues, in systematic inflammation, which we've talked about, and skin issues, for example, and all the other symptoms we've mentioned. So this is another reason why your metabolism and your gut function may not be optimal. 
I'm looking at symptoms, nausea, upset stomach, constipation, diarrhea. Like if you're doing all the things to help with bowel movements, it could be a gut issue, bad breath, trouble urinating, um, vaginal or rectal itching. That's a good one. Bloating, um, extreme fatigue, chest pain, rashes, trouble concentrating, anxiety even. What about H. pylori? What about that? Is that another one? That's another one. Yeah. That's another opportunistic bacteria that's in the upper digestive tract, usually associated with reflux so burning in the esophagus bad breath burping uh usually pain in the upper digestive issues but again it's notorious for all these systemic symptoms gina so if you've tried yeah. magnesium calm if you've tried to eat more leafy greens if you've tried to change your diet and your gut hasn't gotten better then that's a key sign for you that you need to explore what we're just talking about right now food sensitivities and gut dysbiosis because normally the Livy program should help people's regular IBS, which is generally speaking, a, a, a more milder condition. I've had so many people like you have had reports of my IBS is a lot better. My gut's better. My chronic constipation's better. I, you know, I, I'm not having these chronic issues I've had, but if you still have all of them, even though after you're following the diet, that should be a boom, green light, red light to go and get that looked at and addressed. Ooh, okay, consuming processed food, sugars, artificial sweeteners, additives, preservatives, pesticides, unwashed fruits and veg, toxins, skincare products, alcohol, any new medications added in, use of antibiotics, parasites, poor, poor oral hygiene. And the biggest one, high levels of stress and anxiety all disrupt your gut function. Yeah, I know wow. reading that list off, uh, Gina, it feels like we should be a bubble people uh, and not do anything in life, right? Uh, you know what? Usually, yeah, I don't want to be doom and gloom because I know that that is uh, easily the discouraging message that people can take from this. But your body's guts, yeah. your body's stress systems, they're really good at creating homeostasis or balance. But there are certain examples, Gina, like, for example, you know, you've had a really stressful episode in your life, a death of a loved one, or you've had to be put on this medication. Yeah. Sometimes things happen that are out of our control, despite our best intentions, and they do have an influence. They do have an impact on something like your yeah. gut, something like your stress levels and inflammation. And so we do have to kind of recognize that we have to figure out what's going on with us, despite the fact that we might find it frustrating that these underlying issues are present. And then we have to be very strategic yeah. about, okay, what can I address practically speaking, instead of just being discouraged and then going back to the same habits that got you in this program in the first place. Yes. I love this conversation. Uh, before I move on, food sensitivities, you could have someone who's like eliminating, 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 and then really the underlying issue is that what's happening in their gut with, with good bacteria versus bad bacteria and all of that. But this is where you have to kind of dig a little deeper. Um, I do want to talk about how, you know, this is for, for most people, a lot of for some people, it's not just that they have major things going on. The scale's not moving. It could be the consistency that they're showing up with. You know, yeah. the, you know, there's a lot of things on that 20 questions list, not, you know, moving your body, getting better sleep, managing a lot of, a lot of times there are things that you can do, then your body just needs time. So I don't want to like 
be fear mongering everyone that, you know, they're dealing with this. But even if you just focused on these things and, and work to address them by like 1%, you know what I mean? Just like the little that you can do everybody, I'm not talking at, at someone whose weight just isn't moving, but everyone in general, would you say could benefit from kind of addressing these things at, at, at some level? At some level, for sure. You know, I think we have to look at uh, your your current health. This is a, a, such a great point. I'm so glad you brought it up. We have to be reflective about our state and then look at ourselves, not in a judgmental way or in an angry way, but just take a really pragmatic, solution-oriented uh, look at ourselves and be like, okay, am I doing all the things that Gina's asking me to do in the program? And I, I have a checklist. I'm going to go through each one of those. Then I'm going to say, okay, is there an area or a symptom kind of profile that I have that is that is common and that's maybe I've had in the past and I continue to have? For example, if you constantly have gut issues, then that is an area that you probably should focus on. Despite the fact that you've tried the diets, you've tried different things like maybe the FODMAPs diet or you've done the, uh, the, the, the program so far and really haven't noticed the difference. It's about being honest with yourself and then focusing on the areas. But at the same time, just because you're not losing weight doesn't mean you have to be like, oh, no, I have all these things. You know, I, I have inflammation. I see that too, Gina, where people come in yeah. and they're like, Dr. Paul, I can't lose weight. I got to have some hormonal issues. I got to have inflammation. And then we look at all those things. We test those things. And then I'm like, really? It's really not that. It could be the fact that they're just under a tremendous amount of stress all the time. They're doing all the right things in the program, but your body is in a stressed state that it will not let go of weight. You have to have the certain prerequisite of your metabolism to say, okay, I'm ready to do this. And if it's not, then we have to be realistic yeah. about the fact of the expectations of weight loss. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to get, I guess this is a great segue to hormones because so many, yeah. you know, people come into the program concerned about hormones and we perceive, you know, especially with menopause and such, it's just so like it wreaks havoc on women's bodies. But my theory is that by the time we hit menopause, most of us are just so broken down that our bodies yeah. are like barely functioning at that point where we're feeling like the, you know, the, the effects of that. So over 50, uh, 50 different types of hormones that factor into someone's weight loss journey. So, um, we have about 12 minutes less hormones, such a loaded question. So go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so um, let's talk hormones and, and how that's factoring. Right. So I, I like what you said there, Gina, where, you know, there's a lot of different things that might factor in and, and let's start with menopause because, you know, I think you just mentioned that it's a really common time that, that people, women really struggle with uh, their weight. Um, but I think there's some truth to your theory. And, and I want to give you, I want to give you props for this because um, it is totally true that up until their fifties, most women are like major caregivers and they're trying to work and they're trying to balance all the other things they're trying to keep up in their in their lives and they've actually just burnt themselves out and so what happens on a hormonal level at menopause is your ovaries stop producing estrogen and progesterone but the backup system that produces maybe 30 percent of the estrogen progesterone is the adrenal system so it's kind of like hey my main system has gone offline but during the last 
three decades, I've burnt out my generator and my backup system is non-existent. So I think you actually have a really good point there is that, again, these hormonal systems, they work together. If you are going to be always in a state of fight and flight and stress, your adrenal system is going to interact with your thyroid system. And we all know if you have low thyroid function, you're not going to lose weight. But I'll be honest with you. I don't see too many people with low thyroid function in my office because most of that is picked up by their family doc because that's an easy test to do just to figure out, am I low on thyroid? And then away they go with the certain medications. But it's a lot harder to figure out, okay, you know what? What kind of hormonal impact does chronic stress have on weight? What kind of hormonal impact does menopause have as you go? So I just want to stop you there because I noticed someone just said, I don't understand um, because I'm high stress. Does that mean I'll never lose weight? I mean, that, first of all, should not be your takeaway. Uh, So I'm a high stress job. Does that mean I won't be able to lose weight? That should, this, what? This, This should not be your takeaway from this conversation. I think that is like, is that just like being like, like, well, I'm, you know, it is what it is. Like this whole conversation is about all the things that you can do and address to really make a difference to be able to manage, man, if you're that stressed, like that's weight loss. I mean, that's the, I mean, you got worse problems, obviously, than when you're that stressed, you know what I mean? Your body's not functioning. You're through the roof. You should be worried about having a heart attack and a breakdown and all these things. You know what I mean? Like it's not just weight loss. Of course, you're going to be able to lose weight. It may be harder, but at the end of the day, these are things not only that should you want to do, but you really need to do just for basic good health. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a really good question though, Gina, because like it is something that everybody is, is thinking about in the back of their minds. Um, and, and I hope that the message that we talk yeah. about is the fact that these are, there are solutions to each one of these things. Remember, we're highlighting obstacles. We don't have time to go into yes. the, the reasons that we, can, uh, that we can do to address this. But I want to tell you, there are ways of doing it. And maybe yeah. this is for this particular Facebook user, maybe um, this is the, the, the calling of being like, wow, I'm trying to lose weight, but the realization is, I'm under so much stress. Maybe the focus I need to be like, what kind of anti-stress habits are you doing in your life? So if you are like, this is a brilliant example. If you identify an obstacle and the obstacle is my job is super stressful and you can't quit your job, then what's the other option you can do? The only other option is to be like, how am I going to do everything possible in every other aspect of my life to make myself more stress resilient? Or am I going to just complain about yeah. it and say I can't lose weight and and, and not do anything? Right? That's not gonna. That's not gonna. That's not the solution. I think orientation that we're trying to do. So it's meant to be okay. Identify that that root cause. That's the obstacle, and then take that next step of being like, wow, I need to yep. really up my anti-stress. And that might be I gotta get I gotta get into a yoga class three times a week. And that might be a bit more time. Yeah. Sometimes, like I'll be honest, sometimes it's like. I need to just take a, maybe a step back and be like, have a conversation with my boss to be like, you're asking for me to work way more than I need to work, than I can work, than I want to work. Yeah. So these are hopefully stimulating, yeah. productive conversations. Not, we don't want you to be demoralized by this. That's really not our goal. Yes. 
Thank you. Yeah, that 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 really should. We don't want that to be your take takeaway at the end of the day. And this is what I mean. Like, if that's where you're stressed or you're recognizing this is like a health and wellness issue, far beyond just what's happening with what's happening on the scale. So, so investigate, figure out what's going on. What can you do? There are a lot of things that you can do to address that. Okay, sorry. Back to the hormones. I had to talk about that because I know, like to your point, so many people feel like that. Well, I'm just so stressed. It is what it is. There's nothing I can do when there's so much that people can do. Yeah. And, you know, at this okay, point, you know, I'm, I'm also going to make a little <laughs> plug here for naturopathic medicine because uh, you can do a lot of things to help your body deal with stress better. So, for example, we talk about we're going to talk about secondary supplements uh, in the coming weeks. And one of them is called the adrenal yes. uh, adrenal yes. support. We talk about L-theanine as well. These two particular nutrients help our body yeah. cope with stress a lot better. We talked about deep breathing. Mm. I talk about meditation. Maybe again, back to the comment the person made. If you're finding stress is the biggest biggest issue, maybe your priority might be like instead of going for you know that uh, hit workout that you want to do, maybe your job is to go and and work with a yeah. counselor, a psychologist, or a mindfulness provider, and they're going to give you tools to help you combat your main obstacle. So it's meant to be like, how do I tailor this plan? this, my life to me and my obstacles and me and my goals. That's, that's the, I think that's the, the sweet spot about health is to take a good, honest look at where you're at and then be specific at addressing each one of those things. And sometimes we don't know what those are, Gina, and a conversation like this might help or go see a naturopathic doctor, yeah. go see your healthcare provider and help allow them to help you to identify these obstacles. Yeah. Love that. Oh my goodness. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So back to hormones. So many different types of That's hormones. So many things you can do. It's next week. You're back by the way. It's like literally on Tuesday. I know people are going to be like, well, now what? So revisit it. Come back for part two. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we'll Maybe do we'll the now what next week. So that's a little bit of a hook for everybody. Come back next week and we'll share more about, okay, so you gave me all the problems, Dr. Paul. How, what can we do about it, right? So yes. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that just to, just to kind of summarize on the hormones is that first of all, hormones um, do need to be assessed. So we do have tools, Gina, that we can do to test each one of the hormones that we're talking about. I'm talking about the adrenal system. And this is a test that unfortunately you have to kind of do through either saliva or urine. Doing blood testing for adrenals are not is not very accurate in my experience. Thyroid is another one. Low thyroid yeah. function will decrease your metabolism. This one is good with blood work. Your family doctor can do this. Um, your menopausal transition is a common hormone. This is something that sometimes people need hormone replacement. Many times they don't. A lot of times people tell me their hot flashes have gotten better just by being on the plan. So that tells us your diet is balancing yeah. your hormones. Isn't that amazing? I love that. Uh, so hormones, yes. those are the three main categories yeah. of hormones. There are many others like insulin and ghrelin uh, and leptin. I mean, we could have yes. a whole nother hour leptin. conversation with each one of these. Yeah. could talk every day for hours i'm sure about all of this okay let's <laughs> let's get into that in our next conversation because i know a lot of the secondary supplements that we are suggesting 
can sort of help in those areas. So let's start like you like you touched on insulin resistance. I mean that that I haven't heard much about that this group every group that was a big topic of conversation last group like those right. are, you know one of the big buzzwords that were out there uh in the last little bit. So let's let's have a let's let's because we just don't have enough time to go yeah. and have this hormone discussion in a way that I think um would benefit people. So let's let's have that conversation off the top of our um next week tuesday and then let's go through all those secondary supplements um to kind of sum this up obviously this was a big conversation that we had um there is things that people can do there are tests that they can get done um the program in general is going to help on the most basic level with all of that what what else would you have to add i i my takeaway from this is that in order to get somewhere which is your goal when it comes to weight loss. And, and I, I hope that part of that also, that goal is optimizing your health and focusing on some other things other than just weight. It should be a, a whole body approach. And so to get to that goal, we have to identify the path we need to take. And a lot of times people in the past, especially, they just start a program and they just mindlessly do it. And, and, and really the essence of what I think makes the program that everyone's doing right now special is that it's a mindful program. It is an opt-in program mm -hmm. mentally. You can't check out mentally. And if you are checking out mentally, you're missing the opportunity to identify what type of obstacles you have. Because once you know those, Gina, and we talked about four of them today, inflammation, gut function, in that gut functions, dysbiosis and food sensitivities, and finally hormones. If you identify those obstacles, Gina, you can then personalize your Gina Livy program experience by addressing each one of those. So knowledge is power. I mean, we should start every program. Say that again. No, I, I, I was just going to conclude by saying, Knowledge is power. Say that again. When you have the knowledge about yourself on what might be the underlying issues, you can be solution oriented with what you're going to do for this program. Oh my goodness. We should, we should start every program with this conversation. Ah! Honestly, I'm going to drop my big, drop the big, Mike, um, Dr. Paul, love this conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Um, always. Just so just grateful, honestly. I know so many good takeaways from this. I'm already looking forward to our next conversation. You can find Dr. Paul at paulherkelnd.com. Um, also on Instagram. Is it Dr. Just Dr. Paul? Are we at the point where Dr. you're just Dr. Dr. Paul? Dr. Yeah, Paul oh, Dr. Yeah. Paul Herkel. <laughs> That's the best uh, best place for people to find you. I know they're going to come looking. I know you always say, you know, if you really, if you're going to come looking, make sure you're serious about investing some serious time into figuring out what's going on. Uh, you are a very busy man. How would they find you outside of uh, just email, Instagram? Yeah, yeah. go through my website, uh, contact my clinic. Um, you know, just because of popular demand, we've, um, you know, we're taking patients through the clinic, but not uh, through my private practice. Um, I have two separate practices. You'll see that on the website if you're interested. Um, and yeah, we just want to be serious about anybody that's really interested in working with their health. Gina, thanks for having me. Always a blast. Your, uh, the questions today were, were, were on point. And so hopefully everybody really found it valuable to understand some of the obstacles to health. 
I deal with this day in and day out. Literally, this is my like job of helping people deal with these obstacles. So I wish everybody the best of luck. Do not be discouraged. Be empowered. I love it. On that note, thanks everyone for joining us. Dr. Paul, thank you. Bye everyone. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.